you about being highly favored. How many of you can receive some more favor of the Lord in your life? But as we begin this message, of course, there's, there's uh, moms in here that are at different stages of motherhood journey. Some of you are just beginning your stage, have sweet little ones. Others are at the teenage stage. And to you, I would say, mercy, grace, and peace. Still others are like uh, Pastor Mark and I. Your children are grown. They're on their own. They have families of their own. And you have entered into this wonderful phase called grandparenting. Isn't that awesome? How many grandparents do we have in the house? Woo! You know, being a mom was great. I love being a mom. I loved raising our two sons. But since we have Olivia, I now know why they call it grandparents. Because being a grandma, Grammy is grand. It's awesome. Uh, just uh, back in April, we were down for their, her fifth birthday. And uh, Pastor had to come home a few days early to do the service here on Sunday. But I stayed. And we were just having a big old day that day. Just her and I, Mom and Dad, were at work. And... We've been making cookies and all sorts of things, and she's just, she's so funny, you know. Kids, I think when you're a mom, you're so busy doing everything, you kind of forget some of the cute little things that they say. But when you're a grandparent, everything they say is just like, wow. Wow. So anyhow, we're playing around, and she says to me, she does this, she gets attitude. I don't know where she gets that, but anyhow, she's like... Grammy, you're going to have to go home now. And I was taken back. And then she gets this real ornery little look on her face and says, because we're having way too much fun. So I said, I was going to have to go home because we're having too much fun. So anyhow, just the things that they say. And I wanted to start with some funny quotes that I recently heard that will put a smile on your face, I believe. This one says, when my kids become wild and unruly, I use a nice, safe, Playpen. When they're finished, I climb out. <laughs> Some of you'll get that. Then this one. If your kids are giving you a headache, follow the directions on the aspirin body bottle, especially the part that says keep away from children. <laughs> I can tell some of you can relate. Well, when you're a parent, hiding is not an option. I've tried it, and they will find you. (laughs) But as godly men and women, and how about instead of hiding from our kids, that we believe God to give us the wisdom, the insight, the understanding on how to deal wisely in all the affairs of our life and how to deal wisely in raising godly men and women For His glory. Happy, healthy children. Amen? Amen. Well, today we want to look at a biblical example of a godly woman. I know that it's Mother's Day. I know it's not Christmas. But we want to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I don't know why sometimes we think we can't talk about Mary except on Christmas. Because Mary had a wonderful uh, example and tribute. We want to give tribute to her and wonderful attributes that we can embrace and learn from. Are you ready to do that today? Let's start by reading over in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. I usually read from the King James Version, and today we'll be using that as as well as the Amplified. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel 
was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said to her, I want you to read this last part with me. This just blesses me. This is what the angel said to her. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Can anybody derive encouragement just from that? You are highly favored. How about this part? The Lord is with you. Woo! That's something to shout about. And then he goes on and says, blessed. You know what? You're highly favored. You're blessed. And the Lord is with you. That's good news. No matter what you're facing today, I want you to know that God is with you. And that the favor of the Lord will get you out of any and every situation that you may be facing. Hallelujah. Now, I want to just talk for a little bit here on what it means to be highly favored as far as God choosing Mary. He did not choose her to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ because she came from a royal family. Did she come from a royal family? Did Mary live in a palace? Did she have great wealth? Did she have an awesome education? How about this one? Did God choose her because he looked down from heaven and he said, Yay, Mary. She attended all of those classes on how to raise the Messiah. No. That's not why she was chosen. He went to this unusual and unlikely place. Unusual and likely person. A little teenage girl in a little sleepy town called Nazareth. Because of something that he saw on the inside of her. Her heart for him. The characteristics that stand out most about Mary is that she believed the word of the Lord. She had unwavering faith and confidence that anything that God asked her to do, he was with her. Because he said that in the beginning. You're highly favored. You're blessed. And God is with you. Don't you know that she took those words and she hid them in her heart. And she had the attitude, no matter what comes, when God's asked me to do this, he said, I don't have to do it by myself. He is with me. Well, we know after Gabriel came and gave her that announcement, then he also, uh, he gave her this explanation of how this was going to happen. And this was what her response was. You have to keep in mind, this was a simple little teenage girl. What faith she exemplified. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, this is what Mary said. Then said Mary, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This was a huge task that she was asked to take on. But her simple response was, Be it unto me according to your 
word. I know that God's put some things in the hearts of people in here today. He maybe has asked you to do something that in the natural, it looks impossible. But if you'll have that same attitude, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I can't do it in my own power and in my own might and in my own ability. But since you've asked me to, I'm declaring, be it unto me according to your word. Nothing's too difficult for you. Your word will not fail. It will not return void. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to act on it. Now, no one in this congregation today has been asked to do what Mary was asked to do. You haven't been asked, I haven't been asked to raise the Son of God. But He has entrusted things to for you to do. If you're a parent, He has entrusted the life of a little boy or little girl to raise for His glory and for His honor. If you're a grandparent, He's entrusted into your life. The opportunity to instill godly principles to the next generation. If you're not a parent, God may have put in your life, uh, He's put there for you to instill maybe in a niece or a nephew or a foster child. And there's people in here that don't have children in the natural. But every single one of us have been entrusted and instructed and given the privilege to have an impact and an influence on the next generation. Some of the things that this that this generation needs is they need godly mentors that will stand up and work with our children, work with our youth, and show them what it's like to just be a Christian. So just because you may not be a parent doesn't exempt you from being a mentor. And influencing and impacting the younger generation with the love of God. And then I know that there are people in here that perhaps the circumstances of you being a parent are not ideal. Let me remind you the circumstances surrounding this miraculous supernatural conception of Mary was not an ideal pregnancy. It was literally a scandal of the day for her to come up pregnant and not be married. It was such a big deal that Joseph almost did not marry her because it was unheard of. It was unacceptable in that day for this to happen. And we know that an angel came and appeared to Joseph and that's why he married her. But don't you know she was the talk of the town. There was stuff going on all around her, surrounding her being pregnant and not yet being married. But yet it was the plan of God. I submit to you, maybe you are a single mom. Maybe the dad is not in the picture. Perhaps you're a grandparent being forced to, to raise a grandchild because the parents are addicts or they're not involved in their children's life. But let me tell you, those little precious ones, they have not been sent from hell to torment you. The Bible says that children are the heritage of the Lord. It doesn't matter how they came into this world. They still have a destiny on their life. They still have a plan and a purpose. And we have the privilege 
to nurture them, to train them, to instill into them that God loves them. No matter if their parents, their natural parents, maybe you're raising a foster child and they feel abandoned. It doesn't matter. You let them know they are accepted. Accepted in the beloved. Accepted of the Lord. And you love them. There are no accidents. There are no oops in the kingdom of God. God will use them for His glory. And for his honor. I heard a heart-wrenching story. Many of you have seen James Robinson, right? On TV, Robinson. Heart-wrenching story surrounding his birth. His mother was a rape victim. Almost aborted him. But she went ahead and had him. Look at the impact he's had in the earth. Mighty man of God. Reaching nations with the gospel. God wants you to go ahead and instill in those kids that nothing is impossible. They are valuable and they are precious. Amen? As we go on and we track the life of Jesus, you may remember the account when he was 12 years old and his parents had to go down to Jerusalem to make sacrifice. It was a feast day. They were in a big caravan traveling, and they didn't realize, so they were a day's journey out, that Jesus was not part of the caravan. So they have to go back to Jerusalem. A 12-year-old boy, they find him, not at the video arcade, not at the movies. He was in the temple discussing scriptures with the, the teachers of that day. And the Bible says that they were astounded at his wisdom, astounded at his questions. And when his parents said, why did you do this? His response was, don't you know, I have to be about my father's business. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 51 and 52, in the Amplified, we'll read this. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and was habitually obedient to them. And his mother kept closely and persistently guarded all these things in her heart. Mary knew that she was raising not a child as usual. She knew that she was raising the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And every time something like this would happen in the King James, it says she pondered these things. She meditated on these things. She kept them in her heart. And you know what else she did? I'm sure she prayed over These things that they would come to pass. And I find the next verse very interesting. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in broad and full understanding, and in stature, and in years, and in favor with God and man. Jesus increased in wisdom, and he also increased in favor with God and man. You know, the Word of God is so alive. When I was reading that the other day, it just, whoo, it went off on me because I had just read that the angel said to Mary, you are highly favored. And that same favor that was on her got on Jesus. That favor that had been on his mother, she imparted it into him. And she also helped develop 
that wisdom that he increased in. The Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about the younger years of Jesus' life. But we know that he he grew and he developed in the wisdom of God. We know that his parents instilled into him godly principles. We know that they taught Jesus the importance of being in the word of God. The importance of going to the temple. Because we see later on in Jesus' life, it says, as his custom was, he went to the temple. It wouldn't have been a habit of his, a custom of his, if his parents hadn't taught him, go to temple, go to church. Folks, our children, they pick up on what's important to us. If it's not important to us to go to church, it won't be important to them. I submit to you, instill into your family the importance of being in church. Create it in them that it is just a habit. It's just what we do. And maybe in the beginning it might seem like they're going through the motions. But sooner or later, the power of God will get on them. That same power that's on you will get on them. The word that they heard here preached will not return void he learned that from his mother he learned godly things from his mom and his dad Mary wasn't any different than you or I Mary was just been a mom after her and Joseph were married they had other children Jesus had siblings I can just hear Mary, just like you, one day saying, Stop teasing your sister, Jesus. Stop pulling her hair. Jesus, go clean your room. Jesus, how many times do I have to tell you to sweep out the stable? Jesus, you didn't take out the trash. Go take out the trash. And then I love this one. Just, just came to me. Jesus, go study the Torah and see if you can find yourself in there. I think it was probably the original, where is Waldo? Where is Jesus? See if you can find him in the scriptures. See if you can see yourself in there, Jesus. Parents, moms, it's not the huge things that we do that your kids are going to remember. And it's going to change and impact and influence their lives. God takes what we think is insignificant and he uses that to mold and to shape them into the person he wants them to become. It's not just been doing all these great things. It's being consistent every day in what you need to be doing to be a godly example. Listen to what the word consistent means. Steadfast adherence to the same principles. What can seem mundane and routine to us is probably going to be the things that your kids remember. Especially when it pertains to spiritual things. They see what we're doing and they pick up on it. I like this quote. I heard someone say this. People often talk about the younger generation 
as if they didn't have anything to do with it. How many people have you heard say, I don't know what's wrong with this younger generation. I don't know what's wrong with kids these days. Well, guess what? Probably they're a reflection of us. They didn't get here by themselves. They weren't trained and taught and disciplined by themselves. We do have something to do with the next generation. How we live, what we say, the way we conduct ourselves does influence and does impact them. Now, I, I try not to get emotional on Mother's Day. My mother's been in heaven since 1976. But when it comes to days like this, I remember things that my parents did that still are in branded in my heart. I remember my dad. He was a big guy, huge guy. And he had these seemed like giant hands. And in our little country church, he was the song leader. I didn't get that gift. He was the song leader. But I still see him singing those old hymns. And on the chorus part, you clapped your hands if it had a beat. Clapping those big hands. And then when it was time to do a worship song, raising those huge arms and hands to the Lord, I'll never, ever forget that image. I do not have, thank God, in my heart, images of him slapping me across the face or throwing me across the room. His hands were used for the glory of God. And it's branded in me. And then my sweet little mom, she raised five kids. I raised two. And I'm thinking about how did she do that? Five kids. And it was a busy life on the farm. There's a lot to do. It's not like on Saturday or Sunday that the cows don't need to get milk. Or on Sunday or Saturday, the chickens don't lay eggs. You've got chores every single day. You've got to work every day at something, taking care of the animals in the farm. And she always planted this huge garden. We always had all these great produce. She worked hard. But yet, every day, and I mean it, every day, she had a little chair. Whether it was in the morning, usually it was in the evening, she'd sit down, open her Bible every day. Read scriptures and pray the word of God over her children. I can still hear some of those prayers. I feel like Abraham Lincoln. He said this. I remember my mother's prayers and they have followed me. They have clung to me all of my life. Some of you are sitting in this auditorium today because you had a praying grandmother or a praying mother and her prayers have clung to you. I know P.T. had a mom whose prayers are still clinging to him and his family. There is no expiration date on prayers. They will cling to you and your seed throughout eternity. The Bible says that God stores the prayers of the saints, the tears of the saints in vials in heaven. And they continue to carry out his will. They continue to release power into the earth. Your seed will be mighty upon the earth if you will pray for them. If you will contend for them, not one of them will be lost. Hallelujah. 
my parents, they have five kids. And my sisters were trying to calculate it. You know, it's Ricky's fault. He's got six kids and like a million grandkids. I don't know how many, but anyhow. They were just adding it up one day. They're direct descendants. There's 50 some of us. Just their kids and their grandkids. And everyone is born again serving the Lord. Woo! To God be the glory. Let me encourage you. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers make a difference. And should Jesus tarry and you go the way up to heaven before he comes, your prayers will still cling to your seed. They can't get away from them. When my mother was uh, sick, I was home. Moved back home to take care of her before she passed. And here she was in a, in a battle for her very life. And on the, on, really on her deathbed, she was talking to me about fulfilling the call of God on my life. And at the time, I was 21 years old. And you know, where I grew up, my sis, one of my sisters was married when she was 19, the other when she was 20. So at 21, I'm feeling like, whoa, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Time's a passing here. I ought to be moving on here. And my mother, I still remember it, saying to me, Honey, don't settle for second best. God's got a call on your life. And He's got the man of God that you're going to be serving Him with. Don't settle for second best. On a lighter, funnier note, one night I came home and dating this guy, not anything serious, but was dating this guy. And on the farm, you know, when a car went by, the dogs woke up. So we came down our long driveway, and we had a dog named Sarge. Sarge woke up. He's barking like crazy. This guy gets out of the car. He's walking me up to the door. And my parents' bedroom was right there on, by the, on the front porch, right by the front door. And I, I don't know. My dad said he, he didn't know it was us. But anyhow, Sarge is out there barking. My dad opens up the window and says, Shut up and get out of here. That guy jumped off of the porch. Let's just say he gone. (laughs) My dad always said he was talking to the dog, but I'm not so sure. But anyhow, seven months. After my mom went to heaven, I met the man of God. (laughs) I met my dream man. I found God's highest, greatest, and best. And on our wedding day, July 22nd, 1977, my mother had been in heaven a little over a year at that point. But I know that she was looking down from heaven going, Yay! You got the right one! Yay! You got the right one! Cheering us on! And that's what your grandparents, your parents do when you make spiritual strides. Because those prayers are still clinging to you. They're still activated. And they know, they know in heaven when you get right with God. They don't care about a new house or a new car. But they know when you make spiritual strides. Spiritual progress. 
They're cheering us on today. I know some of you, this is your first Mother's Day without your mom here on earth. But let me tell you, you're not without your mom. She's more alive, more vibrant than ever before. If she knew the Lord, she's in heaven today. And she's cheering you on, looking over, saying, go. Go, Greg. Go, Greg. You're going to run your race. You're going to finish your course. Hallelujah. Woo! Be encouraged. Just think of it. My mother died in 1976, but I know that part of what, who I am is her. It's her. It's her influence. It's her impact. It lives on forever. Some of you that still have children that are home. I want to encourage you with this scripture. Those of you that have grown children that maybe aren't serving the Lord, you take heart in this as well. Proverbs 22, verse 6 in the King James. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of you are standing on that verse Right now, I encourage you, keep standing. The word will not return void. You raised them the best you could, even if you weren't walking completely with the Lord. You did your best. And now that you are 100% serving the Lord, you contend for them. They are your seed, and they shall be mighty upon the earth. Not one of them will be lost in the name of Jesus. You know, many of you know, we have the two sons, John and James. John's about to be 35. James just turned 32. But from the time that James was 14, for about a 10-year period there, it was a challenge. Pastor said it like this. He had issues. (laughs) It's amazing to me how you can raise two kids in the same house exactly the same way. And they choose different paths. But all of us have a will. And for for whatever reason, some make poor choices. And they're easily influenced to get off of the path of the righteous. And that was James. There was literally an assignment against his very life. It's the mercy and grace of God that he didn't die in his teenage years. There were several opportunities for that to happen. But i got good news today. You keep standing. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be on their deathbed at 97 years old before they come back to the Lord. No. You believe for a quick turnaround. You believe they're going to turn their lives around and they're going to get in God's perfect will for their life. My good news to you today is that James has been free for several years, serving the Lord with all of his heart. No more issues. Hallelujah. I give God the glory and I thank God for Esther. Woo! Glory be to God. He who finds a good wife finds a good thing. She's been a good wife to him. She's been an encouragement to him. Now, for a few years, you know, sometimes the people that you're closest to and the ones that are trying to help you the most, they can get that, uh, the ugliest toward you. 
And there were some years where James was even living in our house, but he didn't like me. I could just tell it. You know, he, he was respectful. His dad made him be respectful, but he didn't want to be around me. He didn't want to talk to me. You know, when light is in your life, they don't light. Darkness doesn't like light. So I try not to take it personal, but it just mean things and not being nice. But God, everybody say, but God. I don't read this to bring any glory to myself, but I read this as an encouragement to some of you that are in that time right now with your children. Got this card from James and Esther. I can't read what Esther wrote. It's, it's very touching as well. I don't want to cry too much, but this is from James. Moms bring life into the world, love into a home, and joy into a heart. Now listen to what James wrote, keeping all that other stuff in mind. Mom, I could say a lot of things about you because you are a wonderful mom. I have seen and continue to see the wonderful power and beautiful love of God displayed in your life and through you. Especially toward me. I literally couldn't dream up a better mom to have. You are a good and perfect gift from above. Thank you for being such a great example to me. I love you with all of my heart. Happy Mother's Day to the joy lady from Hayward. There is a reward for holding fast. There is a reward for being persistent in standing your ground and saying, Devil, you are not having my kids. There is a blessing for being faithful to live a godly life and be that example before them. We began by reading that Mary was highly favored of the Lord. In our last few minutes together, I submit to you, so are you. Highly favored of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 5, verse 12, O Lord, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. How many of you in here today are righteous? If you're born again, Jesus has made you the righteousness of God in himself. So that means this. Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, favor is my birthright. Favor is the birthright of every believer. Hallelujah. How many of you in here received that today? Hallelujah. His favor is surrounding me. Glory be to God. Now listen to these definitions of favor. To support. To endorse. To assist. To make easier. To provide with advantages, and to show special privileges. I think we ought to get a shout over just that. We have heavenly support. 
We have a heavenly helper. And his name is the Holy Ghost. One of the things that Mary was told when she was going to become pregnant and conceive Jesus, the angel said, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. He's going to come upon you. He's going to overshadow you. He's going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And that's what we have in the form of the Holy Spirit. That same word overshadow, is, it's related to what happened on Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Ghost fell and encompassed them from head to toe with the presence and the power of God. You have been overshadowed, not in the same sense like Mary was, but as believers, spirit-filled believers, you're overshadowed. You have a great helper. You have an assistant. And then it says that he also, favor is to endorse. Jesus has given us his name. To be endorsed literally means this. If I would just say to Rachel, you know what, I'm giving you this credit card. I want you to go over to Macy's and buy whatever you want. I'm endorsing her to use my card. Jesus said, I'm endorsing you to use my name. Woo! All power and all authority that's in that name. He said, I'm giving it to you. Go, use my name. Draw whatever you need from heaven. You got favor. Everybody say, I got favor. I I know that the enemy lies to people. He's telling some of you that he has the advantage over you. That you are the least of the least. That you are insignificant. You are not noticed. But one of the definitions of favor is to be noticed. You are noticed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are somebody to Him. Hallelujah. That force of favor is giving you the advantage. Says you're surrounded with favor. Some of you will remember that old movie, the Star Wars series. And when Luke first was discovered as a Jedi, I don't know if it was Yoda or one of the little guys, one of those little characters that said, the force is strong with this young Jedi. (laughs) Well, I submit to you, the favor of God is strong on you. Just like when Dark Vader tried to come up and he's like, whoa, the force is strong. He couldn't get through there. That's what the devil ought to run into when he comes up against you and your family. The favor is so strong upon your life. Hallelujah. He can't penetrate it. Listen to this verse over in Psalms 41, verse 11. We'll read this one out of the Amplified. By this, I know that you favor and delight in me because My enemy does not triumph over me. Woo, I feel a shout coming on. That's a good place to shout. My enemy does not triumph over me. 
I don't know what your enemy may be today. Your enemy could be lack. You could have recently lost your job. And that spirit of lack is trying to get a stronghold in your life. Perhaps you were given a bad diagnosis from the doctor. And that fear is trying to attack attack. Attack you because of that diagnosis, the enemy of disease. Perhaps your kids are rebelling in the natural and you know that they're hanging out with evil companions and that enemy is tormenting you that they're going to die. They're going to go to hell. They're going to end up in prison. All these lies, whatever the lie, whatever the enemy is telling you today, I submit to you, your enemy will not triumph over you. Because God favors you. Hallelujah. Highly favors you. If you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Favor is literally fighting for you. Doing things for you that you cannot do for yourself. One of the definitions was special privileges. An advantage for Success. The favor of God on our lives will give you the advantage. It will cause you to be noticed. It will open doors for you that no man can shut. Maybe you've applied for some jobs and you were denied. I want to tell you, don't you fret about it because the favor of the Lord is on you and God's got something better for you. You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep one that is highly favored of God unnoticed God's going to notice you God has noticed you and it will cause others to notice you so listen you don't have to walk around with your head down feeling like a second class citizen this is a revelation you are neither superior but nor inferior to anyone else I don't care. Uh, Lots of people have applied for the same position and maybe their credentials are a mile long. The favor of the Lord will open doors for you. It will get you noticed. It will give you advantages and privileges that those outside the kingdom of God don't have. Don't walk around with your head down anymore. You need to lift up your head. You need to step into who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to have this attitude. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am more than a conqueror. If God be for me, who can be against me? You need to quit having that attitude. You need to don't instill that into your kids, that defeatist men out mentality of, oh man, we're always poor. We're always this. We're always that. No, we're not. We're the righteousness of God. We're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. Get that out of you. Stop looking down. The Bible says this in Psalms 84, 17. In the Amplified, for you are the glory of their strength, their proud adornment. And by your favor, your horn is exalted, and we walk with uplifted faces. Uplifted faces. Psalms 3, 3 says, you, O Lord, are the shield for me. You are the glory and the lifter. You are the glory 
and a lictor of my head. You're a child of the king. You're highly favored of the Lord. Favor surrounding you. It's on you. It's behind you. It's on the top of your head. Receive it today. And know this, that favor is for a lifetime. That favor on you will get off on your kids if you'll walk in it. How do we walk in that favor? We walk in it by faith. And we activate it like Pastor was talking about with that book today. We activate it with the words of our mouth. The confession of the Word of God activates the favor in your life. Don't walk around saying, I'm poor as Job's turkey. I'm this, I'm that. I never get a break. I never have anything good happen to me. Change your confession. Start declaring over you and your seed. We are highly favored. Hallelujah. The kids used to make fun of me because I'd always talk about being a favor of the Lord. And I have favor wherever I go. One of it was parking favor. And they used to laugh at me about my parking favor. But you know what? We were down visiting John and him. It's busy at those malls and he couldn't find a park. He's like, Mom, can you use that parking favor now? And then Esther told me, she said, I have never seen anybody that has so much favor on them as James. Everywhere he goes, people want to help him. They want a blessing. They're always doing nice things for him. The favor of the Lord. Woo! Mighty in our lives. And it will be mighty on your seed. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet.